The following is a Pro Football Network podcast, the primary voice for pro football at profootballnetwork.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm told there's really no, or Sam Howell's made no decision as of right now as to what his next level move is going to be. It's kind of in between as to whether or not he's going to go back for another year or enter the NFL draft. If he does enter the draft, he is uh, senior bowl eligible because he's on pace to graduate. So we may see him in the senior bowl if he decides to enter the draft. But I'm told as far as Sam Howell is concerned right now, no real definite uh, decision or even leaning as to sort of doesn't know what he's going to do at this point in time is the best way to put it. Between the Hashes is back. As always, I'm Cam Meller, joined by Tony Pauline. I can't believe we're in double digits of both football seasons at this point. Week 11 of college on the horizon already started, I guess, actually with Maction. Uh, in true surprise Maction form, everything is chaotic. Week 10 of the NFL. It's here. It's November. Leaves are changing. It's cold. How are we doing, though, Tony? Okay. Okay. Better than the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, week for the Raiders uh, is continuing. It's actually been six months, which we'll get into briefly. Um, But otherwise, yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. There's only a couple of weeks left of the college football regular season. Before you know it, Rivalry Saturday will be here. And uh, the college football playoff selection committee just seems to make more and more interesting selections. Interesting is, is a nice way. Uh, putting it, I think it's probably the, the best way to say that. If you can't tell you, I'm on radio all the time here. And every after Tuesdays, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, radio gauntlet, gauntlet, the onslaught of questions I get about just the college football playoff rankings. I feel like I'm talking until I'm blue in the face about what I would do. And it, it doesn't matter. We'll all talk until we're blue and it's not going to change how they're doing things right now, it seems like. So either way, the number one team that everybody talks about in the, the college football playoff rankings is Cincinnati. They land at number five, Michigan State falling out. We previewed what they what they should do, could do against Tulsa from a college football angle, from an NFL draft prospect angle. Basically, though, they hold on. Well, they almost didn't hold on. Desmond Ritter fumbling on a QB sneak at the goal line uh, almost cost them their undefeated season. Tulsa still would have needed a touchdown and a two-point conversion just to force overtime even. So they were still sitting pretty, but they held on basically against Tulsa this past weekend. Yeah, I mean, held on after it looked early on anyway, that they had that game in check, that they were going to control that game. And, uh, you know, uh, as we said last week, uh, when it comes to these college football playoff rankings, I think last impressions are oftentimes the most powerful. And they're seeing, uh, they're, they're seeing Cincinnati hold on to a Tulsa team that, you know, was in the game early in the year against uh, was Oklahoma, which is why Oklahoma's uh, – continues to be ranked uh, poor, uh, way down the list. But a- as far as the NFL prospects are concerned, you know, one of the matchups we want to look, up with, look at was Tyler Smith, the offensive tackle from Tulsa, versus MyJ Sanders, the pass rush extraordinaire from Cincinnati. I think Sanders won that battle hands down. I mean, uh, especially early on, it-, it seemed that Tyler Smith eventually got into a groove and was able to hold his on, but early on he was all over the place, getting pushed back in the pocket, falling over his own feet. We'll talk about uh, what he's going to do as far as uh, remaining in college or, or jumping to the NFL a little later in the show. 
But I thought MyJ Sanders uh, really won that battle. Thought it was an, another exceptional game from Brian Cook. I mean, everyone talks about Ahmad Gardner and that Bearcat secondary, understandable. But they got a lot of guys. Colby Bryant we've talked about in the past. Brian Cook is an underrated tackle, uh, underrated safety, I should say, underrated player in that secondary. 14 tackles, two PBUs last week. Guy who, if he runs well before the draft, before April, will get selected in the draft in late rounds. Uh, with more and more teams going to three safeties on the field, more and more NFL teams putting three safeties on the field, I think Cook's got some value there as well as lining up on coverage units. It's a this defense is incredibly talented because when you're bringing up names like that, it's that he's such a forgotten player in that defensive secondary alone, not to mention just that entire defense and Alec Pierce, the receiver is still doing what he's doing for Cincinnati. It's, it's a stacked team. It's, you know, talk about it from that angle. It's stacked. Talk about it from the college football playoff team. I still think there's a chance that Oklahoma at 13 and zero surpasses them for the last spot in the college football playoff when the year is over, if that's where they are, where they're sitting. So, they don't have to worry about an Alabama team at two losses. They're going to have to worry about one of those teams, that Oklahoma team coming from behind. Sort of, it's like a NASCAR race where they slingshot it right at the end. They they play their best football down the stretch, and here we are. Somehow I roped in NASCAR today. Uh, I'm from Daytona, so the birthplace of, of automobile racing, so I feel like I had to do it. So, anyways, the other game, I think that was on the our horizon, but also the college football playoff horizon, Michigan State versus Purdue. Purdue now has victories over number two, Iowa, number three, Michigan State, but not just victories. They're commanding victories. They're never in question. They did what they had to do. They destroyed each of those teams a little bit better against Iowa. But overall, I mean, they made Michigan State an afterthought and, you know, subsequently ended Kenneth Walker's Heisman candidacy at this point as well. So Michigan falls, Purdue wins, six and three. Best, the best three-loss team perhaps in the country is Purdue when they play at their best. Well, we'll see if Kenneth Walker's Heisman uh, candidacy is dead. I mean, he still had 136 yards on 22 carries. Uh, that's, that's still pretty uh, darn good. I guess people are used to him carrying for uh, rushing for 175 yards, 200 yards plus. Um, but still, 136 uh, on two uh, 22 carries with one touchdown is still a pretty good day. But again, but as you said, Purdue. I mean, beat Iowa and Michigan State, or at least knocked them from the ranks of the unbeaten. And lo and behold, they play Ohio State. Uh, this Saturday, we were, I was we were talking about two of Purdue's linebackers, Jalen Alexander and Jalen Graham. I think they both played very well, even though uh, Walker had 132 yards rushing. <clears throat> Graham had nine tackles. Uh, I'm sorry. Alexander had nine tackles. Graham had seven tackles. Both run and chase pursuit type of linebackers quickly get to the ball. Not the biggest guys in the world, although well, Alexander's got decent size. Absolutely next level players, I believe, absolutely day three selections who've got some scheme versatility, can line up on the inside of a 3-4. You can use them, also use them as weak side linebackers with that athleticism uh, in a four, conventional 4-3 lineup. I, I love that for the next level for both of them because they've both shown the ability to be able to cover incredibly well. Also, Graham with the pick six, but last week and the week before, I mean, these they're almost the new age prototypical linebacker in the terms that you could play them pretty much anywhere as a linebacker. So I also, David Bell, you can't not talk Purdue and not talk David Bell and his rapid ascension up the ranks. I mean, he was sort of an afterthought to Rondell Moore two years ago. COVID year happens and he's got a couple of great nifty catches. He's finally getting some decent quarterback play from Aiden O'Connell. And he's just sort of, I mean, he's ascending through the ranks of wide receivers. So David Bell, obviously another player to keep an eye on from Purdue. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the guy will see what happens with him moving forward, but catches the ball well, as a lot of receivers do in, the, in that Purdue wide open offense. Uh, is going to have to test well before the draft, but as evident, has obviously, I should say, not evidently, obviously jumped onto the uh, the scouting radar. Yep, uh, and you're going to command that. So another player that's going to command that. The other game we've reviewed or previewed, and we'll review. He's uh, the 2024 NFL draft, but Xavier Worthy, the true freshman receiver from Texas, he is uh, he's going to be something special if he isn't already. But Texas versus Iowa State, for me, this was more more telling of Texas than it was anything else. As they rely on a lot of youth, they're going to return a bunch of the players from this core of Steve Sarkeesian. But when it, when you boil it down, they lose another game in Iowa State. You know, what do we see from this Iowa State-Texas game? You know, Iowa State's got a lot of underrated or under-the-radar type of defensive players that no one talks about. We mentioned Will McDonald last week. Will McDonald entering the, the season over the summer when, when I wrote about him was my highest-rated Iowa State prospect, higher than Brock, much higher than Brock Purdy, higher than Charlie Kolar, the tight end who people love. And he proved why against Texas. I mean, Texas got, has got some decent offensive tackles. McDonald comes away with six tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, and one PBU, one pass breakup. If they play a 3-4, but he's more of a slimmer 3-4 uh, outside linebacker, he primarily comes out of a three-point stance in a three-man line, which I think he gets overmatched at times. If you're going to believe him, if you're going to use him as a defensive end, he's got to be in a four-man front. He's just an incredibly explosive defensive end that continually shows improvement in his game, makes a lot of plays up the field behind the line of scrimmage, and, oh, yeah, can drop off the line and play in space when you need him to. I thought there are other defensive uh, linemen who I wrote about over the summer. I know I'm going to butcher his name. Iwomi Uzariki. Also had a terrific game. He's a very, it doesn't have great stats all the time, although he had four tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, and one quarterback hurry against uh, against the Texas. Another guy who I think is out of place in that 3-4 alignment at Iowa State, I think he's more of a 4-3 conventional defensive tackle, maybe a one gap in and a three-man front uh, in time. Uh, but a guy who, for the last two years, has been very impressive with his play, has an upside. I think he's going to fall late in the draft, and someone's going to get a gem uh, when they select him. I, I thought you did pretty well with his name overall, too. I, I'm going to we're going to leave it at that. We're going to do it the one time, and we're going to call it that, and <laughs> say we did it. We did our best. I liked Anthony Johnson's game as well, the cornerback playing outside. Uh, just he's sort of been what he is. There's been no real elevation to his game, but he's just been a solid corner. And I, I sort of like him for the next level too. I just like him as a college corner. He seems to lock down the one side of the field and you don't have to worry about it. You just sort of put him out of the boundary and forget about him. And, and he's going to be good for you. That's why Iowa state's been, been solid. So that's the the week 10 in review. Obviously you get to Tuesday and the, the college world playoff rankings dominate the talk. And then we get Tuesday and Wednesday and the Mac flips itself on, on its head. Kent state falling Northern Illinois coming, maybe, rising to the cream of the crop of the Mac, the Mac and terrific action. I, uh, that, was a, that was a heck of an ending last night to that ball state, Northern Iowa, uh, Northern Illinois game. I mean, the guy does a wrestling, the ball state the, uh, linebacker does a wrestling move on the Northern, uh, Northern Illinois, Northern Iowa, Northern Illinois, uh, running back 15 yard penalty. Boom. Game is over. That was game unreal. After they called a timeout as well to get themselves ready on defense. They, it was just, I mean, that's Mac football though for you to a T you have, all these kids that have been playing each other probably since high school days, maybe even before then, they're all from Ohio, Michigan, Iowa, Illinois, all from the same Midwest. I mean, it's 
you got to be a diehard, I think, to really truly love Mac and not have no affiliation for it. But once you do, if you, it's not hard to get just acclimated to Mac football. It's terrific football. It's the best time of the year, in my opinion. So, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. That's that. Mac is in the, is in check. Quarterback rankings, though, coming back next week. The All 130 quarterback rankings coming back next week. So 1 through 130, I'll have them ranked next week on Pro Football Network. So shameless plug. The NFL draft, though. Moving on. We're, we'll start NFL draft news here. An unfortunate injury to Drake London a couple weeks ago back, a fractured ankle. He is leading the Pac-12 in, in yardage. He's third in the nation in receiving yards still at this point. I think with how the Pac-12 is shaping up, he's going to not play down the back half the last four or five games of the season for USC, and he's still going to lead the Pac-12 in receiving yards. 88 catches or 85 catches right now at this point. Done for the year. What are we uh, – Drake London, though, and is obviously a hot commodity for this coming draft as well. Yeah, done for the year, and from what I'm told, done as far at, at USC as far as uh, his college football career is concerned because he's entering the NFL draft. Can't blame him. You know, we we kept talking about uh, what would Keaton Slovis look like if Drake London wasn't there. Well, we saw it. I mean, 50% uh, completion percentage and, and I believe 150 yards passing. Drake London's just uh, – he's an impact type of receiver. I think he's more than just one of these big-bodied receivers who wins out for the contested throw. He finds ways to separate. He's got soft, natural hands. And those soft, natural hands will be making plays in the NFL next year. Will be interesting to see what happens, how badly the, the uh, ankle is fractured and, and when they feel he's going to be 100%. Because fractured ankle is not good for a guy who plays a position where you got to be sticking your foot in the ground and making 90-degree left or right-hand turns. Yeah, it's especially a guy with his skill set because the dual threat, the dual sport ability that he is, that basketball. I mean, if he was able to test, he would test through the roof, or at least I'd assume he would. And a couple of of the metrics, uh, any anything jumping wise, Drake London has an advantage over just about anybody this year. If you just flip on some basketball tapes to Drake London, it's it's as impressive as his uh, receiving is maybe. So another guy, I think this guy, next guy we're going to talk about, doesn't get enough love. Oklahoma sort of flying under the radar there, I guess, as you can fly under the radar as much as you can as an unbeaten team in college football, 9-0. and They're sitting there outside of college football playoff picture. They're starting to find their footing, though. This true freshman, Caleb Williams, is starting to get – he's getting the groove down. He's getting college football speed down, and I think this is a scary team for the future, for not only the, the last half this year, but also maybe next year and the year after. But we have uh, Austin Stogner, the tight end. Yeah, well, the, the Oklahoma Sooners are going to have to do with that Austin Stogner, the tight end, uh, moving forward. You know, we talk about what is Spencer Rattler going to do? Is he going to enter the draft? Does he, you know, would it be a wise move for him to enter the draft? Is he going to enter the transfer portal? 
after what was a disappointing season. Now he finds himself on the bench. Austin Stogner has basically been the forgotten man in that offense. He's got 10 receptions. He came into the season with second round grades. So he's, you know, the pass catching version of Spencer Rattler, the guy who's not lived up to expectations, although on his behalf, they really haven't targeted him that much, all that much this year. I'm told what it looks like right now, Stogner is going to enter the transfer portal and will transfer to another school, play another year, then enter the draft, as opposed to, say, entering the draft off a very disappointing junior campaign. Uh, and you can't blame him. I mean, you know, if he enters the draft, he's, he's going to fall because he really didn't show any development, any progress in his pass catching skills, although the opportunity really didn't uh, allow him to, uh, to show that progress. So what I'm hearing right now is Austin Stogner, very, very likely going to enter the transfer portal, be playing for another college next year. That is very interesting to me because I would think that a tight end, a pass catching tight end in the flap would be a brand new true freshman quarterback's best friend or or could be if you're wanting to slow things down and, and help out your young quarterback. But then again, Lincoln Riley's, he knows, I guess he knows what he's doing. And Caleb Williams has all the arm talent, I guess, in the world. So we shall see arm talent. Shameless segue to the next guy. Carson Strong has all sorts of arm talent. Uh, he, uh, you know, we've talked about it. Nevada doesn't do him a lot of favors in that offense. But this year, Nevada, they're doing what they can. The, the Mountain West is a mess as well in terms of the top quarterbacks and top teams. It's a, it's going to be a fun race to watch shake out. But Nevada quarterback Carson Strong, we have something on as well. Yeah, the, this is a big one uh, because everybody keeps talking about the top quarterbacks. For some reason, they seem to leave Carson Strong out of the conversation, which I think is crazy. What I'm hearing is the rumor out West is Carson Strong has decided on representation and will enter the 2022 draft. I'm told he's gone. We'll have to wait and see, but that's what the word is out West. He's already decided on it on an agent. The questions about the knee injury still pop up. Had a significant knee injury in high school. If you watch him play, he wears a massive brace. I believe it's on his left knee. Uh, granted, that's just speculation at this point in time, because even though it was a significant knee injury in, in high school and teams will red flag guys who had big injuries, uh, during high school, obviously, if he enters the draft, he's going to have to go through all the combine medicals, the x-rays, the MRIs on the knee, the pulling down the joint to, uh, you know, to test the, its integrity and things like that. Told Carson Strong, uh, the, the rumor is or the word is he's already decided on representation, going to enter the draft. And the question is, do, there, are, there are questions about the health of his knee. I like the kid. I've loved the kid for the past two years. I completely agree with you that the Nevada offense is really not helping him progress as a passer or really develop his game. I said this about Carson Strong in a question and answer segment of Pro Football Weekly two weeks ago. It's sort of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation with Carson Strong. What does he do? If he goes back to Nevada, I mean, are they going to change their offense to really develop him into an NFL passer? Uh, you know, Or if he enters the NFL – He's going to enter it as a raw physical talent who really needs to learn to become a passer and learn the NFL game. I can understand that, you know, why he's going to make the jump. He's got the physical talent. Hands down, the strongest arm of any quarterback in this year's draft. No doubt about it. The strongest arm of any quarterback I've seen in a long, long time. He's got to learn touch. He's got to learn some timing, especially in those deep passes. Uh, but I think right now people who've got Carson Strong in their mock drafts, uh, they're going to look uh, pretty smart anyway in 2022 because I'm told he's going to enter. All right. 
I, I like this. I like his arm, and I like what we've talked about multiple times. I'm going to put you on the spot, though. Mock draft, where the draft order is now. I don't know how much you know of it because it changes, obviously, after every single game. Where do you think his his uh, his likely selection is in the 2022 NFL draft right now? I could see him going late first round. I mean, if he has uh, an outstanding uh, – Combine outstanding product workouts. Maybe he goes a little bit early because he's got the physical package. A lot of variables here. Yeah, the knee I talked about is a variable. The fact is, how long before he's truly NFL ready? Um, the guy's been super productive since midway through his uh, freshman campaign, uh, and he throws for huge amounts of yardage. But it's not an NFL type of system that he plays in. I still think that with the way quarterbacks are overdrafted, some coach is going to fall in love with them. Some coach, you know. Pittsburgh Steelers, maybe late in first round, uh, you know, need, need a, a quarterback for the future. Uh, may not have to play him in uh, 2022. Yeah. I mean, that would make a lot of sense. I, I love that fit. I actually love uh, either way Pittsburgh taking somebody that they can sit behind Big Ben for a year, let him learn. Carson sort of makes sense to me. Already setting career highs and yards. He likely will surpass his career high for touchdown passes as well. He just needs two more to match that one. I mean, the guy very well if they play what the Mountain West title game, three more regular season games, a bowl game. He's only eighteen hundred yards away from ten thousand career passing yards in just under you know two and a half, almost three full seasons. So this is that's production in an offense. Every, every week with Carson Strong, it's three hundred and fifty yards passing, two hundred and seventy-five yards passing. Now he's thrown more interceptions lately than he has than I would like to have seen him. But, I, I mean, it's bombs away with this guy. It's not like a dink, 375 yards where it's dink and dunk, you know, hit the receiver five yards off the line of scrimmage, and then the receiver runs 60 yards, so it's a 65-yard reception. No, it's a 65-yard pass through the air uh, to hitting Dobbs or, or one of his other receivers down the field. Uh, and the ball comes down, it's wet because see, the guy can uh, get it up so high and, uh, and throw it so far. He uh, he's been so fun to watch. I mean, he throws cover coverage beaters better than anybody in the class, maybe even anybody in college football. So, I'm excited for him. I I hope he's done it. I assume that his camp has done his due diligence on the knee and making sure that it's good. And he knows he's gonna have to answer those questions. So, I like Carson Strong. I've also always liked Sam Howell. I I just I like his game. I like the I like his arm talent. I like the platforms he can throw. I just I like Sam Howell. I like him as a college quarterback, though. I don't know if I'm. Always, I, I was never on the camp that Sam Howell was going to be the first overall quarterback taken in this draft class. But, I mean, he, we get a battle of the Sam H's this past weekend. He outduels Sam Hartman. Uh, he did end Sam Hartman's Heisman candidacy, I would assume. Well, actually, his defense didn't help him out there either. But Sam Howell doing what he uh, what he does best, I guess. You know, rallying the troops and and playing well when he needed to down the stretch and at the beginning when, the, when his team needed him. But UNC quarterback Sam Howell is next up. Yeah, I mean, coming off, he's in the midst, I should say, not coming off, in the midst of a bit of a disappointing campaign. Obviously, lost four outstanding skill players. When I watched North Carolina, you know, he shows flashes of what we expected him to be in 2021, but he can't maintain. I also happen to think that North Carolina runs him too much on design quarterback runs. That's not his forte. He's not an immobile quarterback by any means, but he's not a guy that you want to consistently uh, use to pick up yardage with, with his legs. I'm told there's really no, or Sam Howell's made no decision as of right now as to what his next level move is going to be. It's kind of in between as to whether or not he's going to go back for another year or enter the NFL draft. If he does enter the draft, he is uh, senior bowl eligible because he's on pace to graduate. So we may see him in the senior bowl if he decides to enter the draft. But I'm told as far as Sam Howell is concerned right now, 
no real definite uh, decision or even leaning as to sort of doesn't know what he's going to do at this point in time is the best way to put it. It's interesting because he's long since thought of, I mean, we, we could be going into this next, next April's draft without the top two on paper preseason quarterbacks in the draft class, Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler. Talk about production too. I mean, he's going to surpass 10,000 passing yards. He's going to surpass a hundred passing touchdowns in just three years as a starter at UNC. So I mean, production, he he has it. He's got all sorts of throws in his arsenal as well. I, I agree with you. They run him too much, and I'm fine with quarterbacks taking off on scrambles when you need them to and, and those types of things, but they run him too much. You're going to – I mean, he's the face of your your franchise, if you call him a franchise nowadays at UNC with Mac Brown, but that's that's interesting. I would I'm, – I'm excited to see what happens with Sam Howell, as I'm sure I'm not the only person uh, that's excited to see what he decides going forward. So – Let's keep it rolling. NFL draft news, NFL draft discussion, at least this time. The offensive tackles is a highly thought of group, maybe, at the top, depending on where you start. And then there's the next tier down. I think everybody, Evan Neal is sort of the the cream of the crop on the consensus board across everybody, not just Pro Football Network, but everywhere else. If you look, Evan Neal's up there in the top five in most publications out there. We'll see. He's a big man. But let's not talk about Evan Neal we want to discuss about the offensive tackles for the 2022 NFL draft class. I think the more pertinent conversation is everyone talks about the quarterbacks uh, in the draft. And, you know, as, as far as the media is concerned, if there's not a lot of quarterbacks at the top of the draft, it's not an interesting, interesting, interesting draft, spit it out, Tony. But if you talk to GMs, if you talk to scouts, I mean, they look for cornerbacks, they look for pass rushers and they want offensive tackles in the draft offensive tackle is always a priority position. So what's the word on the offensive tackles mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Petit Frere, who was a riser, I believe about two weeks ago, Petit Frere, the left tackle from Ohio state is going to enter the draft. I'm told he's getting a lot of first round grades. I could absolutely see it. He's a big athletic guy. He's relatively mobile, good in pass protection, good on his feet, getting out to the second level. Chris Cross, uh, Charles Cross, I should say, Charles Cross of Mississippi State, who we spoke about last week. Uh, I'm not a big fan of his just yet. I've said that there are some people, some area scouts uh, who cover who, uh, cover Mississippi State who are not real high on Charles Cross. They think he's going to struggle to play left tackle. They think he's got short arms. He's also getting some first-round grades. Now, he had a tough game against Arkansas. Uh, against the Arkansas pass rusher, what's his name? Williams, the kid who, who uh, transferred over from uh, Missouri, helped me out there with the name. Williams, Gave up, I'm sorry? Trey Williams. Trey Williams. Exactly. Gave up a couple of bad sacks late in that game. Arkansas eventually won that game. I, I, when I talk to uh, people, uh, scouts, et cetera, uh, who make decisions, they say, yeah, Charles Cross could potentially be a late first rounder, but he's got a lot more downside risk compared to uh, Petit Freire of Ohio State. Um, Akem Ikwonu of uh, North Carolina State, I'm hearing guard. No no team really feels that, although he's you know listed as a uh, tackle in some mock, mock first rounds, no one really believes that he's going to be able to play out on the edge. And he could go any, anywhere from second day to fourth round. Real good player, but he doesn't have great versatility. He's more of a small area power gap type of blocker as opposed to a fleet-footed zone blocker. The last one is Tyler Smith, who we talked about earlier. I'm told that Tyler Smith, if he's getting information that he's going to be a third or fourth round choice, 
Tyler Smith of Tulsa who is likely to enter the draft. Very inconsistent. Don't think he's NFL ready. I think it would be a mistake uh, if he uh, enters the draft. I think he's got some upside. I think he's shown some outstanding skill at point in t- points in time, but the consistency is just not there yet. Um, so Tyler Smith is thinking about it, but I think he's really got to go back and watch that first half of that Cincinnati game and learn to really bend his knees and block with leverage on a consistent basis and, and up his play. If he goes back and has a good 2022, you know, moving towards the 2023 draft, which seems like light years away, you're looking <laughs> at a guy that's a potential top 60 pick. I get it. I get, it. I get, uh, I get both <laughs> angles of Tyler Smith, though, to be honest, because it's, if you're at Tulsa and you want to capitalize on maybe a you know fringe day two guy and you run the rest of Max Tulsa and Davis Brin throwing you know three four interceptions each game and, and you're not winning any games and not getting any more looks and so I I guess I get it strike while the iron's hot kind of thing but you know the the competitor in me would want to go back. But again, I'm, I'm not looking at a day three grade or a day two grade potentially as an NFL draft prospect. So I loved Iquanu's game against FSU this past weekend. He made a tackle on an interception return. Hail Mary. I mean, showing off some versatility. Uh, kidding. He also, he also got the tackle. He also got by an inside, uh, inside move. So, uh, I mean, I think that's why they see yeah. a lot of stiffness. The guy who can't adjust to redirect, which is why they're saying he's not a tackle. He's going to be a guard. And I would agree with that. Yeah, he did. He did well at times against Jermaine Johnson, but there were times that Jermaine Johnson did, like you say, beat him inside. And I mean, aside of Jermaine Johnson on the FSU defensive line, they're they're not quite where they once were. So overall, I thought I thought it was an okay game. And, you know, he showed what what makes him. What you mentioned though, power. That's what it was. There was power. There was times that he was just moving defenders off the off the ball quickly. I, I, I think I think the play I saw was Amari Gainer that beat him badly to the inside because uh, Gainer was getting a lot of pressure. Was going up against him one on one. Yeah, Gainer and Jonathan and getting, was on the right side. Or the getting back the to Tyler side. Smith, getting back to Tyler Smith as far as striking with the iron irons hot. The the thing is, the issue I would have is it's a steep curve for these guys. You know, it's not just competition curve, not just a learning curve. It's a physical maturity curve. It's a conditioning curve, and you know, it's sort of like if you're not if you're a quarterback who enters a draft off a bad season, that curve is much steeper. And it's going to be very steep for a guy like Tyler Smith. I mean, unless he plays lights out football the last month of the season. I don't know if they have the schedule uh, at hand to be able to play lights out football. It's they're uh, they're fading into AAC obscurity here at this point. So let's get back on track. Yes. Yeah, we're always on track here between the hashes. But week 11, it's already started. It's already here. Thursday night has a fun num- another game in the ACC. Sam Howell versus Kenny Pickett. We talked earlier about, you know, players and coaches falling in love or teams falling in love with a player. Watch out for Kenny Pickett. I think that's if you watch any interview with him and watch what he does giving back in the community, I think you're going to have somebody's going to fall in love with Kenny Pickett, the person. I don't care what his hands weigh, measure and what he does testing and what he does on the field. Somebody's going to fall in love with Kenny Pickett enough to make the decision to to draft him. I'm sure who knows what it is. But if you watch Kenny Pickett interviews and, and talk to Kenny Pickett at all, he's I mean, he's a he's a guy you mold your franchise after if he had just a little bit more of the the Baker Mayfield on the field production for him or something along, along those lines. But I love Kenny Pickett's interview skills. But we're going to talk about Georgia, Tennessee. That's Thursday night. UNC Pitt, Georgia, Tennessee. Hendon Hooker has Tennessee flying, and I mean literally flying. They're the best first quarter offense in football. So if you miss the first quarter of the Tennessee Georgia game, you might miss 
what is the deciding factor of that game. I still think Georgia obviously is the better team overall, but we're watching what against Georgia and Tennessee here. Hendon Hooker. I mean, going against yep. the, up against the best uh, defense in the nation. I mean, H- Hooker's a guy who transfers from uh, Virginia Tech. Uh, he's doing a lot, I believe, what uh, some of the other quarterbacks uh, we talked about, uh, whether it be Carson Strong or whatever, really develop, going from being an athlete and thrower to a passer, to a quarterback. And I think he's doing a, a real good job of it. He's made a leap. He's, he really improved his game this year by leaps and bounds. Going against Georgia, even in a Georgia that's not going to have Adam Anderson with his off-the-field woes, that that's that that is a big chore. So we'll see how much Hendon Hooker has really developed. I've been impressed with him so far, but the Alabama of uh, the uh, Georgia game is really taking it to another level. Um, so it'll be interesting. This is a this is his biggest test of the year to say, yeah, listen, I've arrived as a passer and a next level uh, quarterback prospect. Yeah, they've scored 34 points in six games, 34 or more points in six games this season. But against Florida and Alabama, only combined to score 38 points in those two games combined. So playing the better defenses here, not that Florida is any good on defense right now. But then again, they also just did light up Kentucky for 45 points, who at one point had a good defense. Uh, Not anymore, it seems like. So then the next game here, I mentioned it earlier, Purdue at Ohio State. Purdue has victories against number two, Iowa number three, Michigan State, and now they get number four, Ohio State. Will they make it the trifecta of knocking off top four teams, or will they you know, pull a, pull a Purdue and, and maybe come out with a lackluster performance? Who knows? It's Either way, the Buckeyes need to not be looking ahead to the back two end games of their schedule, Michigan State, Michigan. They can't avoid this lapse in, the, in play against the Boilermakers. We've seen it happen before where they traveled to Purdue and lost a couple years back, but Purdue, Ohio State has some fun matchups as well. They got a couple of matchups, but the big one is George Karlaftis, uh, the pass rushing extraordinaire, sometimes water polo player uh, from Purdue, who is going to enter the draft, as we mentioned weeks ago on this uh, show, uh, going up against uh, Petit Frere, the uh, left tackle, who we talked about earlier, and Dewan Jones, the massive right tackle who has really made himself into an NFL prospect since stepping into the starting lineup at that spot. The thing about Carl Aftis is when you watched him against Wisconsin, when you watched him against Michigan, uh, Minnesota, when he had to go up against those big, massive offensive tackles, that's when he had the most problems. I mean, because they were able to outposition him. He is an explosive pass rusher. He stands over tackle, comes out of a three-point stance. He's very athletic. Obviously, that comes from the water polo background. Uh, can not only just rush the edge, but change direction, make plays in pursuit, drop off the line of scrimmage on zone blitzes when necessary. So George Karloft is going up against two big-bodied offensive tackles. The types of offensive linemen that had gave him uh, str- gave him problems earlier this season. That is something to watch. As I said with Karloft, this it's not a question of as to not whether as to whether or not he's going to be a first-round pick. It's a matter of how early in the first round he goes. And again, and again, you know, like Hendon Hooker, this is a big matchup. This is a big challenge for a George Karloftis in a different sort of way. Yeah, we talk Nicholas Petit Frere, and you talk Dewan Jones on the right side. 6'8", 360 pounds of Dewan Jones, really turning himself into, uh, I mean, a terrific potential pro prospect, a great college football player. Karloftis is as nice as he is good, too. You talk to George Karloftis off the field, the Greek Goliath looks nothing or he acts something like a Greek Goliath, like the power man that he is on the field. He's 
a gentle giant off the field. I love George Karloftis's game as well. So this one uh, is very exciting for me. I'm also watching Dartmouth. I got to rep Dartmouth. They can clinch the Ivy League this weekend with a. They need a, a Princeton loss and they need to win out, but they play the bottom two barrels, uh, bottom of the barrel, Cornell and Brown of the closing end of the season. So Dartmouth, I'm, I had to rep Dartmouth and give a shout out to the alma mater of my little brother. So otherwise, it's uh, it's football weekend across the country, week eleven. I, I got I to add this: if if if, uh, if Dartmouth is the alma mater of your little brother, I guess we know where the brains in your family, or who got the brains oh, in yeah. your family. Look, get your shots um, in. Yeah, I have, I have made if, no great about watching, it. He's taller than me, and he's smarter than me. That's fine. And if you're watching that, if you get that Dartmouth round game, actually a pretty good NFL matchup uh, in that one. Uh, Dartmouth has a very tall, long cornerback by the name of Isaiah Johnson, who I project to safety at the next level. And Brown has really an outstanding RPO quarterback by the name of EJ Perry, who uh, beats opponents with uh, his arm and his legs, although Brown has not beaten too many opponents this year. Fun NFL next-level matchup from the Ivy League. I don't think either of these guys are going to be drafted, but I think if they want to pursue the NFL or want to pursue professional football, both will be in a camp next year. Dartmouth head coach Buddy Tevens knows his, his way around some top talent there. There's no no denying the impact Buddy Tevens has had on the world of football in his long tenure as Dartmouth coach two times now. So... That's, a, that's some quick trivia, Buddy Tevens, uh, two-time Dartmouth head coach. Uh, man, thanks for adding to the Dartmouth-Brown game. That's in, that's next week, not this coming weekend as well. So week 11 is here. Some fun matchups. Will Purdue make it a 2-3-4 sweep, clean sweep of knocking off college football playoff-bound teams, where at one point playoff-bound teams or not, we shall see. For Tony Pauline, I'm Cam Meller. This was Between the Ashes.